0: Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry to impact your life. So share your story with us at info at And if God is using this ministry to impact you, we would like to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do so online at fellowshipgj.com. Select the giving option that works best for you and help us bring the message of Christ to this community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us, and enjoy today's message.
1: Well, good morning, church family. So excited that you're here with us today. I'm excited about today because we're beginning a brand new series on relationships, and we're calling this series Put People in Their Place, right? Put people in. In their place. And I know what you're thinking. I can already see some of the smirks on your face right now. You're like, that's right. At church, I'm going to learn how to tell some people off this weekend. <laughs> right? Because so there's people, they need, to, they need to be put in their place. You might have just elbowed your spouse and given them that look like, pastor's going to teach me how to put you in your place. <laughs> Well, it might not be that type of a series, but I gotta tell you, I'm excited about this. I believe it's gonna be a blessing to each and every one of us as we get into God's word and and really take a look at how, how God wants us to handle our relationship. So I wanna just go ahead and dive in right now to a story found in Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 20 says this. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12, and while they were eating, he said, truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, uh, uh, to one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand in the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will, will go just as written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. I want to talk to you today from the subject, and and the subject is a question we find in this passage. The question is, who is at your table? Who is at your table? First, if we are going to handle our relationships the way God would have us to handle them, we've got to take a look around and see who is it that God has positioned around our lives, at the table of our lives. Would you pray with me today? Uh, Heavenly Father, we just acknowledge you right now in Jesus' name. We pray that Jesus would be lifted up in this room, that, that Jesus would be glorified, that as we look in this passage, we would see Jesus more. And that God, as we look at how he handled his relationships, we pray that you would help us to have the courage and the strength and the grace to handle our relationships the same way. So God, speak to us now. I pray there'd be no distractions. I pray I wouldn't get in the way of what you want to say today. So bless us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, today I want to speak to you about an area that might be an area, probably one of the greatest contributors to you living a life of fulfillment, and a life of fruitfulness, and that is the area of your relationships. And I think too many of us, we underestimate the impact that a relationship has on our lives. The, the impact uh, is so great that, that it really does matter not just who we have in our lives, but, uh, but we got to look at who's in our lives, but, but also who we allow to be influencers in our life, because there, there's a connection between the fruitfulness of our life and who's in it. Right? Do you recognize that, that in all areas of your life, when it comes to your emotional health, when it comes to your spiritual health, your physical health, your financial well-being, all areas of your life are impacted in, in who you allow to be a part of your life. The Bible puts it this way. Uh, There's a book in the Bible called Proverbs, and it's a book of wisdom literature that that God shows us that we need wisdom in life because it's possible to live righteous but still not live well. So he wants us to make wise decisions in our life. So he's given us the book of Proverbs to to give us wisdom so we can live a good life. And, And the book of Proverbs says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. So King Solomon, that God used to write this proverb, and Solomon is saying that that we evolve into who we are around. That if you are spending your time around people that are wise, you are gonna become more wise. If the influences in your life are wise, there's wisdom there, but if you're hanging out with fools, you will suffer harm. Another proverb is as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. In other words, uh, we're hearing from God here that there are no neutral relationships. That relationships are either going to push you forward or they're going to pull you back. That, that, that relationships are going to push you towards your purpose or they will pull you backwards in life. They're going to push you towards pain or, or they will push you towards your purpose. So they're going to push you towards joy or they will pull you back towards sorrow. That all of our relationships are sent to us either by God or they sent, they're sent to us by the devil. And we need to open our eyes to this and look at this because we, we can't just evaluate who is in our life. We need to also evaluate who sent them, right? When this person, I recognize there's a person in my life. Did, did God send this person into my life to be uh, so, an encouragement to me, to help me fulfill my purpose, for me to help them fulfill their purpose? Is this something that's gonna move us forward in life or, or is this someone who's been sent in my life by the adversary to be a distraction to me? Because Ultimately, he's trying to destroy me. Do you hear what I'm saying? That, that relationships are important. They're important. It, if they weren't important, God wouldn't have given us relationships. We see all the way back in the Garden of Eden that, that God looked at Adam and said, it is not good for man to be alone. That God designed us to where we grow in relationships, we fulfill purpose in relationships, we have support and encouragement and strength in relationships. But the truth is, so many of you in this room have suffered such betrayal and such pain in the area of your relationships that it's easy for us to get the attitude of going, you know what, I think I'm just going to do my life on my own. It hurts too much to let people in. Like, like, like being betrayed, there's no fun. being Pouring and in, investing into someone and then not pouring back at you, that's not fun. It's like, I, I don't want to do this. So what we're essentially saying is, gonna, because I've been hurt, I would rather do my life alone than, than way, the way that God designed me to do it. And I want to encourage you that, that over this series, we're going to be looking at the fact that, that God will heal us from the pains we've been through in the past, and he will start to move us into handling our relationships the right way. Because the reason why so many of us have gone through such pain in our relationships is because we have not managed our relationships properly. And it's a skill that every one of us as Christ followers, if we, if we want to live a life of purpose, a life fulfilled, a life of fruitfulness, we have to learn the art of relational management. That means we're going to over this next couple weeks, we're going to start looking at our different relationships and we're going to start defining them and we're going to start aligning them so that we put the right people in the right positions in our life. Because if we don't, we're setting ourselves up to hurt ourselves and we're setting ourselves up to hurt other people. You see, when we look at the relationships that God has put in our lives, the relationships that we have are all about us pursuing our purpose, us pursuing our calling, not just company. Right? When you're a kid, you're just looking for someone to hang out with at the mall. But, but when you grow up a little bit, when you experience a little bit of life, I don't need someone to just hang out with me anymore. I need some people that will help me move forward. I need some people that will pour into me. I need some people that will support me and, and help me. And, and see, it's not when, when I'm talking about put people in your place, I'm talking about moving forward. This is not just about pain avoidance. So let's say put people in your place, and some of you are like, Yeah, some people need to be put in their place. Some people are haters. Some people will turn their back on you. So we got to put those people in their place, right? Well, no, that's, I'm not talking about just pain avoidance. I'm talking about pursuing purpose. Because if you have the right people in, in the right place, I'm not saying that if you put the right people in the right place, that you're not going to experience pain. You might experience pain. But what I am saying is, is when you put the right people in the right place, you can start to experience good things. You can start to experience the type of life that God wants you to experience, that that through those relationships, he can grow you, he can encourage you, he can help you move forward. So when I'm talking about investing into relationships, I'm talking about investing myself into the right people. I'm talking about investing, it's something that you can't get back because when we are investing in ourselves, we're investing in something that, that is so valuable that you can't get back and that's your time. You're gonna, you are as young now as you will ever be. You're never gonna be this age again. You're already older than that right now. <laughs> I mean, like the clock is ticking and when we're talking about investment, we're talking about something we can't get back. When I'm pour- so when I'm pouring into someone, I need to identify and know and manage my relationships to know, is this someone who is a sponge who's receiving what I'm investing into them, or are they a rock and it's just bouncing off of them? Because you, you realize when, when we give of certain things in our lives, we can't get them back. And time is, is one of the things that we can't get back, that, that when we invest, like there's so many of us in this room. I have said this before, I know I've said this before, and I wonder, have you ever experienced something where you've gone through a season of your life where there's been pain, there's been mistakes or something, and then someone will sit you down and teach you something. Maybe an older, wiser person, or you'll hear something on a podcast, or hear something on a church, and learn a truth that you go, man, I wish I would have learned that like five years ago. Has anyone in here, you ever experienced that before? Like, that could have saved me so much pain five years ago. And this is the truth. So many of us have experienced that before, because we're going, I've made some mistakes that if I would have just had this information, I wouldn't have had to learn this lesson through experience. Because when you learn the lesson through experience, experience is the very best teacher you can have, but it's also the most costly. Because you're gonna learn from it, but but it's gonna cost you time because through your experience, you're gonna learn I might have to go back and fix some things that, that, that I wouldn't have had to fix if I would have learned this some other way. And you spend your life, and, and unfortunately, there are people who spend their life in a cyclical pattern of of making a mistake and going back and cleaning up after that mistake and then coming back and making a mistake again, spending their life learning through experiences instead of learning through the wisdom of God's word. So, therefore, instead of having a progression where your life is moving forward, you find yourself where you're You're always trying to work for it, but you find yourself in the same place over and over again, going through the same pattern. So as we dive into this... We're going to be looking over the next couple series, and I want you to know that today's kind of like an overview of what we're going to be diving into, because we can't get into the meat of all of it this week, uh, so I want to encourage you, as we're looking at this, there's going to be some answers. We're going to come back. We're going to, we're going to ask for God to help us in the area of our relationships, because there's certain areas where, where we're going to start going, okay, I need to start looking at my relationships that God wants, uh, the way God wants me to, and that means we're going to have to start defining our relationships the way he wants to. What do you mean by that? I mean it this way. Just because you call someone something doesn't mean that's who they are. We say it this way. Just because you call someone a friend doesn't mean that they're a friend. Just just because you call someone a confidant doesn't mean they're a confidant. And sometimes we categorize people in our life the way that our society would categorize them and say, just because I like that person, that's a criteria for them to become a friend. What? That's how we're going to judge who are going to become friends in our life, just because I like them? Maybe God has much more in mind when he talks about our friendships. Maybe he tells us to define our friendships differently than the way the world does. Maybe there's a lot more to what's expected of us with our friends and who's expected to be our friends in our lives. So we're going to be looking in the Bible, looking, how do I define the relationships that are around me? And it's important that we look at that so that we treat people uh, according to the position that they're in in our life, so we're not treating friends in our life like enemies, so that we're not treating associates in our life like friends, like it's important that we look at all of these different things. And when we look at Jesus's life, we see that in all of the relationships that he had, he taught us some principles about how you and I are to manage our relationships, because looking at Jesus' life we've got this on the side screens this is what we learned from his life: that everyone is to be loved biblically, valued equally, equally, but treated differently. What do you mean by that? Well, everyone is to be loved biblically. That means that without condition, they deserve love. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter their age, their race, their gender. It doesn't matter their socioeconomic status. Everyone is to be loved without condition. In the same way, everyone is to be valued equally. It doesn't, your value is the same to God. It doesn't matter uh, your upbringing. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter your age. You are to be valued the same, but people are to be treated differently. Because treating everybody right does not mean treating them the same. And I know that might rub you a little bit wrong today, but let let me explain to you what I mean. Jesus showed us that he treated everyone right, but he did not treat everyone the same. That Jesus had 12 disciples around him, That, that these men went with him wherever he went, and he treated them all right. He loved them all biblically, he loved them all, he valued them all equally, but he treated them differently that even within the 12, he had three people that were like inner circle to him. Peter, James, and John, and he treated them differently. They got more of his time, they had more access to Jesus. So Jesus would go different places, and he would just bring Peter, James, and John with him, and he would leave the other nine alone. And what's cool about this is we recognize that God would take the three and give them more access than other people, and God never explained why. Jesus never stopped and was like, uh, tell the other nine, like, I'm not bringing them because I don't trust them in this area. And the, no, he didn't do that because when you have relational intelligence, you free yourself from the obligation of always trying to explain to people why they may or may not gain certain access to your life. And man, certain people, you bring drama into your life because you're constantly, when you are trying to define your relationships, you're telling people what, what God is telling you in secret of who you should trust and who you shouldn't trust. And you're creating all sort of dramas. You're like, I don't think I'm going to tell you this because I saw this and that and this. And now you're in a fight. And this could have been something that, that God allows you to align and position in your life without all the extra drama. So, so Jesus would take the three and he would take them to different places that he didn't take the other nine. He had what, what many historians would look at, he would, they would call Peter, James, and John, like Jesus' inner circle. His closest friends here, right? And, and with your inner circle, your closest friend, Jesus, we see Jesus took them to the Mount of Transfiguration, and he took them down to the Garden of Gethsemane. That, that the inner circle went with Jesus in the high, to the highest of highs, but he also went, uh, he also brought them to the place of the lowest of lows for him. And when you have an inner circle, you have people who can handle you when you are at your very best, and you, can, you have people who can handle you when you are at your very worst. Amen. man, don't you know you will have people in your life that can't handle you when you're at your very best, and they can't handle you when you're at your very worst. Is there anyone in here who's ever experienced like you've got some sort of great thing to celebrate like you bought a new car, you got a new job, you got a new boyfriend, something like that, and you want to celebrate and there are people around you like, man, I got this new job, and like, hmm. How, how can you afford that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you have someone positioned that where they have access to you where only inner circle people should be and, and they shouldn't be in your inner circle because they can't handle you when you're at your best. And then maybe they shouldn't be in your inner circle because they can't handle you when you're at your worst when you're suffering, when you're struggling, when, when, when you're struggling with your faith, when you're struggling with your marriage, when you're struggling in life, just like, I don't know, maybe you should fix that, and it looks like you need to fix this and that, and if you would have done things right in the first place, like, what you have there is you have someone who has access to a position in your life that they should not have access to. So what we're talking about in this series, put people in your place, it really matters where we begin defining our relationships so we can align them into the right place not to judge people, not to be like, this person isn't good enough to be here. This isn't, no, it, it's about when I put the right people in the right places, then I'm set up to where our relationships can move forward, where it strengthens me in my life and it also strengthens them in their life. And we have to start recognizing this so we see the true value of what people we have in our lives. Because for every one of us, we, we have a lot of people that we have connections to and some of them, let's just be honest, are not that important. I'm not saying the people aren't important, I'm saying the relationships are not that important. You can probably think of some right now where people you might spend a lot of time with, coworkers, neighbors, stuff like that, you spend a lot of time with them, so there's an assumption that this is a very valuable relationship, but the truth is if you were to take a step back and look at it and define it and see what they get from the relationship and what you get from the relationship, you go, you know what, if we were to part ways, I don't think that I'm going to lose anything, and I don't think that they're going to lose anything. This is really not that valuable of a relationship. But on the other hand, the Bible shows us that God will place certain people in your life who are of incredible value relationally. That that God will put certain people in your life that are almost impossible to replace, if you can replace them at all. In that, from time to time, God will put someone in your life who will love you with a self-sacrificial love, who will have your back no matter what, who will care for you no matter what. And the Bible says that when God puts those people in your life, it is an expression of his favor on your life. That he would put someone with skin and bones into your life who loves you and cares for you no matter what. And does that mean they're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. But, but when he puts people there, it's an expression of God's favor. And this is not what this series is about. But let me take a little side note here and tell you that's why the Bible says that whoever finds a wife finds a good thing and finds favor with the Lord. Do you recognize that when you find a wife, if if you're married in here, you have a wife, that 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 wife is an expression of God's love and favor for you, that a wife is favor walking around on two legs. Every man in here should turn to your wife and say, when I look at you, I see favor on you, baby. I see favor. I said, guys, so many of you men are just looking straight forward, like, no, I'm teeing this one up for your home run, okay? Look at your wife and tell them, I see favor on you, baby. It's favor. In fact, every man in our church, when your wife walks in the room, you should greet her with a favor, 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 favor. Like, I see favor, baby, because there are certain relationships you have in your life that, that can take your entire life to replace, if you can even replace them at all. And what will happen if we live our lives without relational intelligence And we don't begin defining our relationships and putting our relationships where they should be positioned in the right place in our lives. What you can do is you can start treating people that that mean the least to you in your life the best, and you can start treating people who mean the very most to you in your life, they can get the very least from you. An example of this is in Scripture we see King David. King David was a passionate man of God. He loved God. He worshiped God. He conquered things. He was, he was awesome. He would make mistakes, but he would repent. He'd get down on his, his knees and cry before the Lord and repent and make changes. You, you have to love David. But we see that David lived his life failing in the area of relationships many times. That Many of the disruptions to him, his fruitfulness in his life came from the area of relationships, came from a, a, relationship, a failed relationship with his son Absalom, came from a failed relationship with Amnon and Tamar, uh, came from mistakes with Bathsheba. The, a lack of relational intelligence hurt him over and over and over again. And one day, one of David's closest friends, Joab, came to him and, and gave him a warning. Like, like I'm watching something in your life. Because he was a close friend, he was able to talk to him. And don't you know, only the closest friends you have in your life can talk to you about some of the most important things in your life. Have you ever had someone who, should, like, they don't have access to you, but they try to talk to you like they have access to you? Like they haven't built the trust. They're trying to cash in on credit that they have not earned yet. And they're like, you can't talk to me that way. I don't even know if I trust you. I don't even know if I like you. But we see with Joab here, there had been a relationship where he could give David a really hard truth. Second Samuel nineteen five says, Then Joab went into the house of the king and said, Today you have humiliated all of your men who have just saved your life and the life of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. Can I tell you what's happening here? What's happening here is David has a group of men who who love him with a self-sacrificial love. They're putting him first. They care so much about him that they are risking their own lives because Absalom, David's son, is trying to overthrow the kingdom and kill David. And David is so caught up on the fact that he wants his family to act like family. He wants his son Absalom so badly to, to act like a son that he's missing the very fact that God had put relationships in his life where there were people who weren't his family who were treating him better than family. So Job is saying, listen, you're, you're, you're ignoring the wrong people. You're, you're pursuing someone who has already made the decision that they don't love you, they're not loyal to you, they're not gonna be there for you, and you're ignoring the very people in your life who are there for you no matter what. And I believe in this series, God is gonna begin showing us where, where maybe you and I have taken some people for granted. Because as I began studying this, I've started recognizing there's been, there's been people where I've been investing into the wrong people and, and maybe my family is not getting what they deserve from me and my, my spouse isn't getting what they deserve. My best friends aren't getting what they deserve because I'm spending too much time loving those who don't love me and not enough time loving those who do. And we see that, that David was learning this very hard truth, because he had to learn it over and over again because he didn't have relational intelligence. The flip side of this, going back to our, our key passage today, is we're going to look at Jesus in this series. And we're going to look at the fact that Jesus is the perfect model of how to handle relationships, that he, he loved everyone biblically, he treated everyone uh, uh, equal, with equal value, but he loved everyone with equal value, but he treated people differently because treating everyone right doesn't always mean treating them the same and i i love this passage that we looked at because uh, oftentimes we have a picture of jesus in our mind and then there's the jesus of the bible And sometimes they don't match up exactly because a lot of us, the picture of Jesus we have in our mind is like, you know, the flannel graph Sunday school picture of Jesus where he's there in a purple robe and like there's birds flying around chirping and just like beautiful blue eyes, everything's all happy and there's never a problem. Like we have that like kindergarten teacher version of Jesus in our mind sometimes. But this story shows us something different. This story shows us a man who's handling his relationships in that way they need to be handled. There's conflict, and he just jumps right on it. Because there, here's a group of men, Jesus and 12 other men, reclining at a table. So Jesus, we show up in the story, Jesus is just chilling. He's just laying back and everyone around them eating and having a good time, and there's a bunch of smelly men in the room after traveling, they're hanging out together, they're just ha- having a good time, and they're like talking like, hey, why don't you pass the bread, would you get some of that, that's some good, uh, uh, some good food over there, right? They're having these conversations, and out of nowhere, Jesus like, hey, one of you is gonna betray me. <laughs> no warning, nothing like that. He's the like, one of you here at this table is gonna betray me whoa, excuse me, Jesus, where did that come from, right? Like, we're just here having a good time, and then they start questioning, like, I don't know, is it me? Is it you? Like, why, why would he say that? Like, 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 we don't want to betray Jesus. That seems so strange. And what so many of us would do, what we do in our culture right now, what seems more appropriate is, like, I don't want to get into it. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, so I'm just going to keep it on the down low, right? Like, like I'll just, I'm not going to get into it anymore. You, you know who you are, so I'm just going to pray for you. But not Jesus, Jesus is made differently right like they're trying to figure out who it is and Jesus like reaches his hand in the bowls the one who reaches his hand in the bowl with me right now Judas so I want you to know that I know it's you right I know this right but why because Jesus saw a problem he was willing to handle it relationally and like he's saying go so go do what you're gonna do right? Because Judas had already made up in his mind that he was going to betray Jesus. He had, his heart had already changed. He had turned away from Jesus. So it's not like Jesus was condemning him in sending him away. He's like, you've already decided that you're not for me. So, so I'm, I'm making it clear that I understand that right now. So, so he's like, I already know what you're going to do. And, and Jesus knew that Judas was the betrayer. And of course he knew this spiritually. He's the son of God. He he knew the prophecies, he he knew what was gonna happen, he he knew this spiritually, but do you recognize he also knew this naturally? That Jesus opened his eyes and he saw physically what had been taking place around him naturally to where this was no surprise to him that he was going to be betrayed and he was already able to identify who it was gonna be. This is why. The Bible gives us other examples of where, where Judas started showing the fruit of who he was. Because there's one story in the Bible where a woman came to worship Jesus and, and broke a jar open and poured oil out on Jesus' feet, was crying before him, praying before him, like, I love you so much, recognize the Son of God. Everyone around is like, this is beautiful, but not Judas. He's in the corner, arms crossed, grinding his teeth. You know, oh, can you believe she broke that jar? What a waste giving that to Jesus. We could, have, we could have done something different than that. It's like Jesus saw that. He didn't judge Judas for that, but he didn't forget it either. He started to recognize, wait a minute, there's a fruit in him that I'm starting, to see. I'm starting to see. So we recognize Judas wasn't brought up onto the Mount of Transfiguration. He wasn't brought into the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? Because Jesus started recognizing things in Judas, going, okay, I need to position you differently in my life right now. So in this series, we're talking about putting people in their place because we need to start recognizing who is in our lives so we can define them and align them, to, not to judge them, but once we know who they are, we can put them in the right place so we can be successful. Jesus had to manage the different relationships at the table. We only have a couple of moments left together. I wanna to give you some examples of some of the people at the table. Judas wasn't the only imperfect person at the table. Who else is at the table? Thomas is at the table. Thomas is the supportive skeptic. And I I bring these out because every one of us, we have different relationships and you might be able to identify some of these people in your life and we need to identify them. Who's the supportive skeptic in your life? Thomas said like, I'm not gonna believe Jesus resurrected. I won't believe he rose from the dead unless I can see him with my own eyes. Like he supported Jesus, he loved Jesus, but he was skeptical of him at the same time. Do you have anyone who loves you and supports you, but at the same time is skeptical? Look, I'm thinking about starting a business, right? Do you think I should start it? And they're like, yeah, you should. I don't know, I think maybe you, you might be good at it. I don't know, I wouldn't do it. But like, it's like, are you supportive of me? Or are you skeptical of me? I don't, I don't know, like this, it, 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 I need you around me, but this is difficult right now because I need encouragement, but you're, you're skeptical. See. I'm not judging the person when I recognize who, that's who they are in my life, but what it does is it causes me to align them into a place where when I'm dreaming and I'm struggling with a dream, they're not gonna be my first call, right? When I look at it, because when I'm struggling with a dream, I don't need someone else that's gonna help me struggle, I need someone who's gonna support me, right? So we have people in our life that might be the supportive skeptic, and then we see that, who else is at the table? James and John are there. James and John represent the competitors, right? Very competitive people. They they always wanted to be the best. So the 12 disciples, they wanted to be set apart. They they, they wanted to be the best to the point to where here, two grown men, grown adult men decide they're going to bring their mom before Jesus and have their mom ask Jesus, will you give my son special treatment in your kingdom and give them each a seat beside your throne? (laughs) Like, like Jesus, I, I brought my mom here because she has something she needs to tell you. Could she have a meeting with you? And she's like, "My boy's the best, right? Look at your group. There's a bunch of bunch of just riff raff out there, but my boy's the best." <laughs> it's like competitive. even trying to bring mom into the situation, right? It, it, and they're before him, like, like trying to separate themselves, like, you're going to have people in your throne room, we reckon there's probably not room for enough uh, seats for all of us up in there, so, like, probably shouldn't send Peter in there, he might cut someone's ear off or something, why don't you send us, and it's like, what's interesting about this is Jesus had already separated them and made them part of the inner circle, the three, Peter, James, and John, they he took them special places. There's already special treatment. In fact, to the point to where the Bible says that Jesus gave them a nickname. He called them the Sons of Thunder. So they've got special treatment. They've got their own nickname. And, and yet, yet there's, it's still not enough for them because enough is never enough. See, when you're needy, enough is never enough. And this represents the people in your life that, that they're, they're good to be part of your life, but man, they're draining. They always need so much from you. Do you have those people in your life? I was like, I love them, but man, they're draining. is at the table. Nathanael's the blunt friend, right? It, the Bible says, Jesus said, there's, here's one in Israel who has no guile, like no cap, no exaggeration. He says things the way he, he sees them. He's just like, he's blunt, he's in your face. Like, are you ever around anyone who's like, they will say anything in front of anyone? <laughs> like, man, you can't say that, Right? Like, people heard what just came out of your mouth. (laughs) A a blunt friend, it's like, you've got to recognize that in them because you might have to position them a certain way. Peter represents the temperamental teammate, temperamental, like, Like one moment he's good, the next moment he's bad. One moment he's like, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm to the grave with you. On life I'm with you. Like no matter what, I got your back. We're BFS, best friends forever. They're going to have to kill me to get me away from you. I love you, Jesus. The very next moment they're like, aren't you friends with Jesus? I don't know. Like, no, no, I saw you walking down the street with Jesus. I told you I don't know him. No, I saw you were, you were there hanging out with Jesus. I told you, don't ask me again. I don't know him. It's like, which is he? Is he? He's temperamental, right? In one moment, he's casting demons out of people and ministering to people and praying over people. The very next moment, he's swinging his sword and cutting an ear off, right? This is the friend. You can't, like, like they're difficult. You can't live with them, and you can't live without them, it's like, he's so supportive, but man, he might turn on me any second now. It's like, but, but it's difficult because you have people in your life sometimes just like, man, you can't do that. You can't get into a fight and cut someone's ear off. Now I gotta go back and fix that. But man, you have my back there and that was so cool. It's like, man, like I so love that you have my back. i so wrong, but man, you're you my man, right? It's like, have you ever had those people in your life, they're that that temperamental, they might get you into trouble? Like, if you're honest, you're, you're about to go out for an evening to just try to have a little bit of fun, and you're like, you've got to stop the car and say, listen, I'm just trying to have a good time tonight. I don't want to get in a fight tonight. Can you just stay calm? Like, going into this meeting, can you just keep your mouth shut for a little bit? Like, like we have temperamental friends. and are like, you've got to identify that. Then we, we see Judas. Judas is the blind betrayer. He doesn't even see. He's blind because he doesn't even see that he's the one that's betraying Jesus, He sees the problem in everyone else. He can point the finger at everyone else, but doesn't see the problem in his own life. And these, among the other men, Jesus had so many different personalities at the table, and Jesus had to manage them all differently. He managed them all differently. He loved them biblically. He valued them equally. But he treated them all differently. He treated them all right, but he didn't treat them all the same. So in closing, as we're going to be diving into this series, I think what we need to learn is how to, to recognize and identify the people around us in our lives, Because Jesus says, you will know a tree by its fruit. You should look at a tree and identify it by the fruit that comes out of it. And there are relationships we have around us that we've got to identify the fruit of those relationships. And so many Christians, let me me be honest, so many of us, we get hung up on it because we're told not to judge. So we go, how is it uh, I can identify the problems in their life and not judge them? Identifying the fruit and judging someone, they're completely two different things. If you have a, a peanut allergy, okay? It's like you need to learn how to identify peanuts. I know what a peanut looks like. I know the tree. I know what foods it might be in. Uh, Not because I'm judging peanuts, but because I need to put some distance between me and peanuts because peanuts make me sick in relationships. God says you'll know a tree by its fruit. There might be some relationships in your life where you're not judging that person, but you're going, I've learned to recognize gossip. And I've learned to recognize gossip is in you. And listen, I'm not judging you. I have my own problems, but i got to put some distance between me and you because gossip makes me sick. And when we start to do that, we go, wait a minute. I Maybe have had the wrong people in the wrong positions in my life. Maybe there's some things around me that I just haven't become aware of. So we need, if we want to manage our relationships the way God wants us to, if we want to put people in the right place in our lives, we have to have an increased awareness of who's in our lives. So three things. We need to pray that God would open our eyes, that that we would begin to see the people around us, see the patterns in their life, identify the fruit. We need to pray that God would open our hearts. Because sometimes God will speak to you on the inside about your relationships, and, and you'll get that feeling, that gut feeling uh, that where, where God's talking to you and telling you, don't say that to that person. Don't go out with that person tonight. Don't invite that person to this group. And he's speaking to you there. We've got to pray that God would open our hearts to hear him. And then number three, we've got to pray that God would open our ears, our ears to listen and observe what's going on around us because the, the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever's in a person's heart is going to come out of their mouth. And when you listen long enough, you might start to recognize, wait a minute, that person's competitive with me. That that, that person uh, is temperamental towards me. That person is just too blunt. We start to recognize these things, not so that we can judge them, but so that we can properly align them. Would you stand to your feet with me? I want to pray those three things over you right now, that as we go into this series and as we go into this week, God would begin to help us and teach us, In the area of our relationship. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your example. And we pray right now that as we're learning how to position the people in our lives the right way, we pray that that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see what's around us, that we'd become aware. You'd open our hearts to hear your leadings when it comes to our relationship and that you would open our ears to listen to who's around us and see where we need to position them. So God, I thank you for each and every person here and I pray you'd help us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow in our relationships. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise before we go. I love you, church family. See you next Sunday.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970 245 Pray or at prayer at Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.